You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, it is December 5th. 2020 and Michael Rogner basketball is back. Uh, it, it's, it's been a long, it's been a long off season after, after a, a, a shortened Florida state season that will always be a what if, and I think your heart and, and mind and, and my heart and mind and, and for that all of Seminole nation out there, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back talking about actual real live basketball with you. Uh, of course, this is Matt Minnick coming to you uh, here with Michael Rogner, as always, for the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, let, let me tell you, I've been, I've been watching a lot of basketball and it's, it's great. It's like we're making up for lost time from the miss, you know, missing the tournament last year, missing the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament. So watching a ton of hoops, it's great. We had Jimmy V week this week, lots of good games. Um, plus the plus the the talk that Jimmy V gave at the SVs. If you haven't watched that, you got to go watch that. It'll if you're not misting up after that talk, then I don't think you're human. And then we've classic. got yeah, as exactly. an NC State alum, I'll just say that, that yeah, that being able to work out in a gym every day that had don't give up, don't ever give up um, all over the the walls and stuff was, you know, like you said, go watch the clip if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And now we've got the ACC big 10 challenge coming up and then with the, whatever they call the SEC big 12 thing where the big 12 gets to beat up on the SEC they, that's yeah. coming up tons of good games. So this is great. I'm excited for some basketball. Florida state's actually played a game. So we got something to talk about. Absolutely. Um, and it took Florida State a, a while. I mean, I think by the time Florida State actually tipped off against University of North Florida, 
uh, driving over from, from Jacksonville, the, I, there were several teams that had already played four games uh, and, and several games against, you know, legitimate competition. Um, so, you know, Florida state is, is, I don't want to say, I mean, maybe they have been handicapped a little bit. I don't know that maybe, maybe we can talk about that when later in the podcast, when we do a preview for Indiana. Uh, but you know, you never want to be the team that's kind of hasn't gotten a chance to get as many, you know, reps in for, especially for new guys, but have you noticed anything as you've watched all these games, Michael, have, have there been any things that have stood out, whether it's in terms of the, uh, just the general flow or fundamentals from teams? Does it look like teams are rusty? Is uh, it look like maybe older, more experienced teams are, are um, having better success early on the season? Yeah, definitely the, the those last points you made. The the older teams, you know, you, you got a team like Gonzaga where you got guys that are, you know, not only are they skilled, but they they you know they've kind of been in the system, you know, and you and you toss in one five star freshman and they're just you know looking almost unbeatable. Yeah, hey, that sounds then, familiar. <laughs> yeah, and then you got some some other teams that, you know, the, there's some weird upsets happening. You know, like uh, Virginia getting getting beat. And Kentucky getting beat by Richmond. There's, you know, there's some, some of those games, and it's it's hard to kind of it's hard to kind of find the common thread in all those. Like some, you know, some teams are pretty experienced, like Virginia, and they're still losing. And so, and, and so, I think the, the main take home is that teams are just rusty right now. There, and we saw that with Florida State, and we, you know, we'll see that with a lot of other teams, and so. If you've got a team like Indiana that's already played four games, including three against high major opponents, that that's a pretty huge advantage right now. Which which made it disappointing that that FSU couldn't get get something rescheduled when Gardner Webb had to had to cancel. You know, they Gardner Webb also canceled with Georgia, and Georgia swooped in and got a game. And uh, you know, Florida did the same thing, and, and Florida State was the team that wasn't able to you know, kind of get a, get a game early. And it's great that we're playing them in the middle of December, but you know, at that point, we'll, we'll already have played a bunch of games and it'll just be, you know, one more team to beat up on at that point. Yeah, I do. I do think that'll be nice to have a little bit of a, a break between what should be a pretty challenging three or four game stretch for Florida state coming up um, before, you know, it gets really back into the meat of the schedule with the ACC. I think there's an ACC game included in that stretch, but then before it really gets into the meat of the ACC schedule. Um, but to your point, it really would have been nice. And it's, I mean, I don't want, who knows, right. I'm sure people tried, you, you reach out to folks, Hey, you want to come play, you know, and it's, there's a lot more involved than just um, let's, let's go play. Uh, but it, it definitely, I think would have been nice to get at least, or even, you know, even play, I was going to say replace the Gardner web game, but even play this weekend, right? Uh, we played UNF on, on Wednesday, I believe. And, and we've got this weekend off. So even, you know, finding a game that could have happened today or tomorrow, if it, if it was uh, Jacksonville or Stetson or, or someone like that. But um, you know, when you talk about the experienced teams, uh, maybe let's narrow the focus into the ACC a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think that you're right. The experience has, except for Virginia, which is weird. I, I you know what? I don't know. Maybe the experience has it. What about Georgia Tech? What happened to them? Yeah, they're they're a mess. Um, Villanova is another team that they re, they return a ton of people, and they and they got they got beat by Virginia Tech. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, 
Georgia Tech is one of the um, you know teams that's got the most kind of continuity from last year, and at least according to Ken Palm, you know, it's like second amongst or third amongst all high major teams, and, and it's in the backcourt. I mean, you know, the Alvarado and stuff. Yeah, and they and they got beat by you know Georgia State's a good team, Mercer's a good team, but they're not you know they're not ACC quality teams. They 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 should not be losing at home to those guys, especially you know by ten to Mercer. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, they're good for their conference, not good. Yeah, not like not a great team. Um, I don't know. It'll be well. Maybe maybe we'll dive in a little bit deeper to the ACC in a bit. Um, Illinois is another team that's I think stood out to me when you mentioned some of the national folks. They've got uh Dusamuno and Kofi Cockburn up there and I know they had kind of a close contest with Ohio but you know you find ways to win those games when you don't have your best and, and they've looked pretty good too um speaking of looking I think all around pretty good you, you know you can't really take too much away from a game against an overmatched opponent like uh North Florida but what were your sort of impressions um whether that be holistically as a team or or individually uh, maybe we'll start with the team ones uh for from Florida State's first game you know the, the 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 main thing that i was looking for was to see how Scotty Barnes kind of fit into the team and 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 giving him the start at point guard and not you know not not giving that to Raquan Evans i thought was i thought was pretty big like we're committed to this whole Scotty Barnes at the point thing there's there is no doubt about that. And, you know, my impressions on him during the game, he couldn't make a shot, but he impacts the game in just so many ways. We've talked, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, so we don't need to need to keep hitting on it. But, but he, uh, you know, he, one sort of under the radar thing is, you know, he never, he didn't commit a, commit a foul, you know, and he was, he was down in a stance and defending guys much smaller than him. And, you know, he, he was able to, to defend without reaching, um, you know, without doing all those silly freshman things. So I was really impressed with, with his play. I was impressed with Balsa. Um, MJ, we kind of knew what we were going to get. I mean, he's, he's the guy. Um, Raekwon Gray was another, another player who really stood out. So, you know, between Gray, Balsha, and Scotty Barnes, I thought there were, there were some really great points to, the, to a first game, even, even if it was against a bad team, you know, also missing their best player. Yeah. No, I, that's a great stat you pulled out about Scotty not fouling. I'm not even sure I, I knew that coming into this call. So I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll take it and say that I, I thought overall the refs did a fairly decent job for, uh, for a season in which there's a lot of starts and stops and a lot of just, you know, novelties, if you will, and, and things that are different. I, I thought it was a fairly smooth game overall. Um, Scotty, you mentioned Scotty didn't shoot. I, did he make a shot besides besides a layup or dunk? Um, all four of his shots, I think, were inside about five feet. Yeah. Now I've seen a lot of talk on on boards or you know Reddit other things about oh well you know when he just can develop a shot, develop a shot. Um, I I sort of I kind of want to temper folks there. I don't know that in. in you know, the NCAA allows people to practice 20 hours a week during the season. And, and some of those hours, when you talk about practice, though, that's actually like film study. I mean, any type of full organized team activity is part of that. Now, a guy can get into the gym on his own. And, and Scotty Barnes certainly strikes me as the type, along with MJ Walker and, and frankly, along with most of the Florida State team, who is going to get in the gym on their own. Uh, Sadar Calhoun is another guy who, who lives in the gym. But, um, I don't know that 
we're going to get a lot of, you know, perimeter shots made from Scotty Barnes. Is that, is that okay? I mean, is, is it just, that's just something that is, you know, not a strength of his game. Is that fine for having our starting point guard? Yeah. People are overreacting to that first game. You know I mean? He's, he's, he's not a, he's not a great shooter, but he's not a terrible shooter either. I mean, he's, he's going to knock down threes. He's probably going to shoot like, you know, 30% or something, something, you know, he's like a Trent Forrest shooter maybe from three. Yeah. I mean, his, his shot looks better than Trent's, but, but, it, but probably, probably, you know, similar to what we saw from Trent in terms of distant shooting that, you know, the difference is Scotty's six, nine, and he's going to get a ton of chances inside of 10 feet. Um, you know, you look at Wilkes, you know, he, he missed, he, he took three threes. He missed them all. It's, and we're not saying, we're not sitting here saying, Oh, why can't shoot. I mean, you know, we, we know that guy can shoot. Um, so, you know, having Scotty out there and, you know, it, it, it doesn't stretch the floor the way that you really want it, want, you know, the, the floor stretched the way that like Calhoun or polite can stretch the floor, but it, but he's got so many other weapons that it, that it, you know, it hardly matters. It's like you can you can post him up, you know. He can he can drive on smaller guys. It, it's 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 it would be nice if he had a shot, but but I'm not at all concerned. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might I think I might agree and disagree with you. I think that I agree with you that I'm not concerned. Um, I first of all, he's really 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 good at everything else, um, and so the the vision that he displays and to be able to rebound out of your area the way he does. And then, so immediately start the break um, and, and be comfortable going all the way to the rim. Like we saw with that one behind the back move um, where he maybe got away with the travel, but you know, Hey, whatever. Um, And, you know, finish, finish on your own one man fast break or to be able to find, you know, there was times where he finds someone like an MJ in the corner uh, for an open shot to be able to have your six, nine guy grab the rebound out of his area and then start that is, is just game changing. And, and honestly, some of the looks he can give in the, like you're almost getting this like big to big passing uh, when he and Bolsha are on the court or he and Raekwon Gray, even though it's not a big, it's just, a, it's, it's kind of like big to big passing. So I, I agree with you that I don't think it really matters, particularly when you have someone, when you surround him with people like Walker, polite uh calhoun wilkes who's i I think shot will be fine i i don't know that he's actually going to be a 30 percent shooter i think i'd be actually kind of happy if he's like 27 or 28 percent um and maybe my one concern would actually be free throw shooting we did a round table on tomahawk nation where we said who do you want to have the ball in their hands with 10 seconds to go and down one i i actually do think there could be some small concerns with Scotty from the free throw line, if, if he's a 65 or 70% free throw shooter and he's getting fouled late in games and you want your confident best shooter to step to the line, you want someone like an MJ Walker um, to, to take that free throw shot late in the game. I, I don't know. I don't know that Scotty has confidence in Scotty taking the free throws. Uh, sometimes, you know, it just looks like he doesn't feel comfortable at the free throw line. Now he is at the right school. Stan Jones, we have seen him take guys like Michael Ojo, rest in peace, uh, from from 40% their first year to, to over 80% by the time they're a senior. But Scotty doesn't have four years. So I think that it'll be interesting to see what the free throw shooting looks like. 
uh, over the next month and a half, that, that to me might be a, a more interesting conversation than his three point shooting, which like you said, I'm not really sure it matters. Um, do you think that that free throw shooting is a area to watch or monitor? Yeah, I don't have the data in front of me, but I think he shot, you know, like 58% or something his senior year in high school. So he's, he's not a good free throw shooter. And that kind of goes along with, you know, his, his overall shooting, you know, you've got somebody like Tenor Ngam, he shot like almost 80% or something in, in yeah. Canada free throw yeah. line, you know, and he's seven one and, and kind of awkward. So, you know, Scotty is, is he's got the mechanics to be a better shooter, but like you said, it's, it's going to take some time and, and he's going to be in the NBA this time next year. So uh, not going to see all that much improvement probably this year. And I agree with you. I, I thought more about that question, you know, afterwards. And it's like, are, are teams going to play like hack Scotty down the stretch? Um, I don't know that that's going to happen, but if you, if you have the ball in his hand, um, you know, for those final five seconds of a one-point game, you know, Trent always played that role, and, and Trent mm-hmm. could make could make his free throws. And MJ Walker's just not that dynamic. Exactly. Um, you know, in terms of the, a playmaker, yeah. In terms yeah. of a playmaker. Yeah. yeah, and so so Barnes, you just kind of got to ride it out, and he can finish through contact. He can he can uh, you know score against almost anybody. So you kind of have to just take that and hope he makes the shot and gets the N one. You know. Well, that's where I wonder if Evans can come in because we've seen Evans uh, play make at times last year. And I, and I wonder if um, it, I wonder if Barnes does take the shot, but maybe it's because it's after a lob from Evans or it, you know, it's after it's been initiated by Evans so that there's not that time to foul with maybe 10 or 12 seconds left. Yeah. And I get, I guess that comes down to who do you, who do you not have on the court? If, if Raekwon's out there in that, in that finishing five, yeah. uh, Raekwon, that, that's certainly the strength of his game. And it always has been, he's never really been an outside shooter. And when he was in at Juco, he was a volume scorer. I mean, he scored 30 points all the time. And so, and we saw a little bit of that against North Florida, you know, he made a nice couple of little nifty moves around the basket. So he would be a, certainly a viable option, you know, for those late, late game situations. I just don't see who coach ham takes, takes out of the, out of the lineup. Cause he gets, he gets pretty set on that finishing five sometimes. He does. He does. It, it, I think sometimes at the beginning of the season, I'm often more interested I mean, don't get me wrong. It'd be, we need to beat one of UF, Indiana, or Georgia Tech. I mean, we can't, can't start off like one and four, but sometimes it's just more interesting to see um, almost the development of Ham, right? And, and as he sort of starts to figure out who works well on the court with other people, and, and there's been a lot of seasons where we've seen Florida State um, drop games early in seasons, but, but – clearly by the time February and March rolls around, it's a team that looks like not only are they confident in what they're doing, but the coaching staff has a very good understanding and confidence in who they have uh, paired together on the court. So um, that'll be interesting to monitor coming up as we go right into some kind of, you know, stronger opponents here. Um, Let's take a second. You said, you know, what we're going to get with MJ Walker. I, I think it's worth at least talking a little bit about the senior guard here um did you think that i mean i I felt that his game even maybe took another step forward not necessarily again as a playmaker but just in his confidence and in in letting the offense come to him yeah a couple of the threes he made were were not 
shots that I would expect him to to really start launching. You know, he he was on the move. He was coming off a curl on one of them. Um, you know, we're used to seeing him kind of being the beneficiary of uh, just hanging out on the three point line, and and somebody makes a play and gets some ball, and he, and he knocks down the three. So I was I was definitely encouraged by. Uh, you know, I, I, I expected to be imp- more impressed with his dribble drive drive game because that's always been the part of the game that he's been developing. But I came away really impressed with his three point shooting and the and the variety of of, of shots that he that he was able to knock down. And then he also got to the line six times, made all six, and and you know that's that's exactly the kind of of uh, you know game you need from uh, MJ. And you know, hopefully, we'll get a lot more like that. If MJ Walker is making threes off the curl at a consistent level on from various angles of the court, then MJ Walker has turned himself into an NBA draft pick consideration. I, I will state that on record right now. I mean, he this is one game against a team that didn't have the length to maybe bother somebody um, out, you know, out on the perimeter. But if he is able to not just be like you said, not just be a catch and shoot 38% guy. Cause I, I think we've seen that from him. He stands in the corner, catches the ball, knocks down the shot. But if he can start making it off the curl, he, he has turned himself into at least a viable NBA prospect. And then if you, you know, combine that with a little bit more playmaking ability, then, then yeah, you can actually start talking about a higher rated, uh, you know, maybe top of the second round prospect, but what about uh? Let's take it to, let's take it to the bigs, um, because there's a lot of them, and and kind of like you know the theme I think that is going to be for Leonard Hamilton basketball teams moving forward is versatility. Uh, that he talks about versatility a lot. We've seen that over the last couple of years, and and certainly with Scotty, that's it's the most versatile player we've probably had. Um, so when you think about ball show when you think about um, if we want to talk about maybe a Malik Osborne as someone who's kind of a hybrid big uh, you talked about in GOM uh, even Quincy Ballard got a little bit of run uh, what what did, what did you see from the bigs to take away from the game I was impressed with with Balsha's um, aggressiveness you know he he had had issues with that I mean this is a guy who didn't even start on his high school team you know but then he came into the college game not really ready to be a seven foot one guy, you know, you got, you have to be able to dominate people physically, um, especially smaller players. And, and he was able to do that. And then he also got to the line and, and knocked down the shots, which is great. Um, in gum, I, you know, he was, he was, he did all right. He, he rebounded the ball. Well, when he was in there, he only played seven minutes. Um, he's, he's clearly got some, uh, issues scoring around the basket. Um, I don't know if that's just a one game thing or, or if he's going to, uh, you know, show a little uh, more finesse around the basket. Um, and then Quincy Ballard, I think, I think, you know, what we needed to know about him is when he scored, the bench went just absolutely bananas, yeah. which means, which yeah. means that he's probably not doing a lot of scoring in practice. Yeah. So we, you know, we're not going to come ACC play. I'll be surprised if Ballard's playing at all. And then Malik Osborne was, was, you know, what do you, what do you say about that guy? He's, he's, he the garbage pail man, right? He just does. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> does everything you need him to do. Right. All, all those words that analytics people don't like to use. You know, yeah. like he's he's just out there grinding and 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 doing yeah. his thing. And and he's he's never going to lead the team at scoring or rebounding or anything. But 
he's just he's he's a he's a winner. And yeah, he's also not going to lead the lead the team in mistakes. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, Ballard, I think I'll I'll put it this way: if this year wasn't a free COVID, like if they didn't have a free eligibility year this year, I don't I don't think Ballard plays at all, um, or whatever the limit is where previously where you could play a couple of games and still redshirt. Um, I think it's great that he can get a few minutes here and there and still have all of his four years. Uh, so that's, that's perfect. Ingham, I'll, I'll say this, his hands, I thought flashed a little bit to me in terms of actually catching the ball to your point about finishing. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it's just adjusting from the competition that was up in uh, Canada, but I, I was, I was impressed for a guy of his length and size, his, his hands. And it, it makes me want to see them have about another month of chemistry building because if you have someone like Scotty, who's six nine, uh, to be able, who can already pass over defenders, t- that becomes an almost unstoppable lob to a guy like Engam if if he is anywhere near the basket. Uh, and so I, I do hope that he can turn into someone that maybe only plays nine to ten minutes a game. If you think back to like sophomore year Kamaji or something. But all he does when he's in is catch three lobs, you know, the two of which go in one doesn't, but it makes the team have to defend that, which, which then doesn't allow a team to get up as much on someone like an MJ Walker or, or a Sadar Calhoun. Um, do, do you think Ingham can be that guy for us? I mean, it's only been one game. So putting you on the spot here, but can, can he play 10 minutes a game and catch three lobs? Yeah, he he did have, you know, the earlier point about his hands, he did he did have a couple of, you know, passes that would have been turnovers to a lot of bigs and he he was able to grab them which which uh certainly shows that he's probably got the ability to to be that guy catching lobs. He's he's athletic enough, you know, he's he's uh sort of sort of a shorter Kumaji maybe, I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's we were not able to really get the lob game going against um uh, North Florida, but Florida State is—they're a lob team. You know, it's 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 gonna that that part of the game's gonna come around, and they just they just need more more minutes playing together, which kind of goes to your point that you know Ingham can play ten minutes a game and and uh, come in and, and do some good things. Well, and and I wouldn't be surprised too if it just wasn't the like we can come we can go play a team that's tall sky is six eight. We can throw lobs all day. I don't know how much better that's gonna make us other other than maybe the chemistry building. So, um, yeah, I, that's something I'd like to watch going forward. Let's maybe before we take a break, let's talk. There's one other player that I think has intrigued people coming into the year. And, and now after seeing him in the first game, maybe is intriguing even more. And that's the Juco prospect, uh, Sadar Calhoun, who, uh, we, we have talked a, a good bit on this pod that, Hey, things like shooting translate the three point line is the same distance. And, you know, it, does he have Juco habits? Probably, you know, that was what we suspected uh, when we talked about him all summer, but that things like shooting translate, we, we also tried to express that we think he's more than just a shooter. He, he seems to have a, f- a fair amount of athleticism to him. He certainly has the physicality, like the body, right? If you just look at him, he, he is a, a chiseled guy. Did he, uh, if you think about him in comparison to other Juco guys we've had recently, so Raekwon Evans last year, I know he was dealing with a hamstring injury earlier in the season, uh, but PJ Savoy 
uh, as a JUCO transfer, Brian Angola as a, as a JUCO transfer, um, Benji Bell came in as a JUCO transfer. Where do you, where do you kind of put Sadar in that? Um, I, I don't know, in that when we talk about JUCO guys, like in terms of his development. Yeah, he's a, he's a different dude than all those guys. I mean, he is, um, he can do a lot of things. And Coach Jones mentioned a few weeks ago in an interview, he said that there are multiple guys on this team who are going to get drafted next year. So Scotty Barnes is obviously one, but to have multiple, you need two. So who's that second guy? Who's he talking about? It's either MJ Walker or Sadar Calhoun. Um, you know, so they – they, I think the staff is extremely high on this guy. He's one of these guys who uh, is probably a little too amped. Like he's, he's got too much energy and you've got to rein him in a little bit, which is a great problem to have if you're a coach. It's much better than, than, the, than the opposite of trying to constantly work your guys up. I mean, Calhoun is, is he's excited to be out on the court and it shows and he plays hard and he can shoot and and I was I was impressed. I, I I didn't know just how big and athletic he was. I mean, I've heard you talking about it for a long time, and I've been I've seen some clips on the internet. But to see it in action, like you know, that dude is going to be a problem if he gets everything figured out this year. I <laughs> I am worried that it is him being talked. About. I mean, hey, actually, I hope MJ Walker is is the draft pick that's being talked about because you talk about a kid that's done everything that he's asked to do in the right way. And hey, like we said, if he can start making him off the curl, then he's an NBA draft prospect. I am concerned that we get to see Sadar Calhoun for one year in Tallahassee. Uh, and, and I I maybe hinted to that. I, I don't know. Over the summer, I, I don't know that I was quite as emphatic about his potential as maybe I was early on about Devin Vassell, uh, which, you know, I, I don't think many people were about Devin Vassell, but when you see him on the court, he has a very high ceiling. And, and you talk about if, if, if that three point shot is remains even semi-consistent at what he demonstrated against North Florida, and you pair that with someone who is as bouncy as he appeared both in the game and also uh, if, if you follow him on my Instagram, he's often posting dunks on Instagram. And, uh, and you can also get a sense of what you talked about, about his just his energy and infectiousness, um, infectious energy on Instagram. He, he just all smiles. Like you said, you have to bring that guy down before you ever have to ramp him up. Um, he, he is a, a wild card to make this Florida state team really really good in march uh if, if he gets to the point where he's comfortable with the defensive systems and principles and he is playing 23 to 25 minutes a game i mean he could be your leading scorer i'll be honest if he's playing 25 minutes a game he could be a leading scorer yeah and there's there's probably like 12 teams realistically that can win the national championship and you know, not, not to get people worked up early, but if Barnes and Calhoun are 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 like amongst the top four scores at Florida State, then Florida State's on that list. You know, the the thing that we're missing, um, you know, from from losing all those guys from last year, is people who can just kind of take over. You know, when when things are going south, you've got a guy out there who can take the game over. And if and if Scotty Barnes and and Star Calhoun can kind of work with MJ Walker on that, then that gives FSU just a ton of flexibility 
and we are a much better team if 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 that's the case. So I'm, I'm hoping that Calhoun is is uh, um, you know the real deal, and, and I think that there's plenty of evidence that he, he's probably going to be. But we'll just have to you know it, it's with all new players, you just have to take it slow and remember that the most important thing is that how we're playing in March because this is a tournament team. You can lose some games and it's all right. We're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not going to be on the bubble unless something weird happens. Um, so take it slow. Let's see how it goes. And just keep in mind that it's it, March is the, the important month when, when we want these guys playing well. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Um, I'm almost not even cons- I, I want revenge against Indiana from last year. I'm almost not even going to think about what a guy like Scotty Barnes or Sadar Calhoun looks like against Indiana, because we've seen this before. We've seen it where I, I remember Fiondu Cabangeli uh, early on, we played Florida early and he just looked like he's, he just didn't, couldn't really get on the court against that level of speed or athleticism. But you know what? 10 games goes by and things start to click. And so I don't know that Sadar Calhoun is even going to play 10 minutes against Indiana. I don't know that he's going to, make an impact or not um i can i can tell you if he gets on the court he's gonna fly around and you know try hard but just like you said thinking about him two months from now it it it, it's like if you took the three-point shooting of malik beasley and you put it in the body of Dwayne bacon you know a six 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 and a half body that's over 200 pounds but you give them that kind of uh, mentality of perhaps, you know, more of like a Scotty Barnes or, or a, you know, that just energizer, but almost like a Tim Pickett mentality. I think that's the kind of player that is on the, you know, at the potential for Calhoun. Can he reach that potential? I, it's a good question. If he's in Tallahassee for two years, I, I think next year's team has, has a real shot at, at being <laughs> at being a one seed to be honest if he's in Tallahassee for a second year um but that's that's getting ahead of ourselves we have a we have a really, really good team on the court this year uh okay so what let me before we take a break it, looking at every every team in the ACC's kind of played a few games now do you want to revise your thought in the round table you said that Florida State was correct me if I'm wrong the third one of the top three teams right uh, going into the season um is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do yeah. you want to revise that after seeing a few games? No, not at all. I think the reason to put them in top three is that Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia all have uh, significant issues, and we've 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 seen those play out early. And mm-hmm. and Florida Florida State should be should be right in there. I I agree. Duke in particular has a lot of talent, and what they look like to me is a team that had is relying on freshmen who did not get a great off season and are getting used to the physicality of college basketball and the speed at which it's played. And uh, Florida state plays Duke pretty early in the season. I mean, I think they tip off less than a month from now. So um, I think that's a, that's a strong advantage there. And, and we've seen, you, you talked a little bit about UVA's struggles. So um, I, I agree with you is one other question about the ACC. Is there a team that, we overlooked early in the season uh, or in the, in the preseason that is surprising you uh, or maybe two teams that has come out and making you go, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Clemson could be better than, than maybe we thought. I know that, I know that we thought they'd be middle of the pack and, and, and that's, that's their floor, 
but they beat Purdue pretty good, and they they had a game against Mississippi State where Clemson could not score the ball at all, and they still won by double digits. That's a good um, sign so. for a team. If you have an yeah. off shooting night and win by double digits, you're doing something right. Yeah, and then Virginia Tech, you know, they anybody who who beats Villanova is, you know, you got you got to keep your eye on them, and and they've got. Um, a pretty easy game in the Big Ten Challenge. They're playing Penn State, and then they go to Clemson. So we'll we'll or they they host Clemson. So we'll see pretty early on, like this Virginia Tech Clemson battle. Um, you know, which which one of those is probably going to be the team that's going to surprise some people? I don't buy Virginia Tech as a top five to six team in the ACC yet, it, only because they did this last year where they beat who is it Michigan state or someone early. And, and then I I don't think here's, here's my two takeaways. And I'm, I'm very happy to revisit this in in a month and say I'm wrong. I think that uh, their, who was their coach? Um, What's his name? Mike Mike Young. I was going to say Mike White, but he's down at Florida. Mike Young, I think is doing something real there. And I think in two to three years, Virginia tech is, is going to be a program to contend with in the ACC. Um, They seem well coached. They seem, he seems to know what kind of guys fit the system he wants to run and, and how to get those guys to play within that system. I just don't know that they have the depth to play 20 games in the ACC in a COVID year. Uh, or even if it's 16 games, whatever, I, I just feel like they're going to wear down. They don't have the experience nor the depth depth yet to really deal with what it means to run the gauntlet of the ACC. Um, but we'll, we'll see that that's what, um, that's why we play the games. Okay. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk Indiana as the Hoosiers come to town. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so uh, we, are, we are back here. We, if, if you missed the first part of it, we talked reflections of the FSU-UNF game as well as just you know what we've, what's caught our eye around the nation, the ACC. But now, uh, so game two is coming up. It is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's going to be on ESPN2, the nightcap at, uh, at 9.15. I believe it's next Wednesday, is that correct? Um, the 9th. And Florida State, for the second consecutive year is facing one of college basketball's blue bloods, uh, Indiana Hoosiers. So it is the, it is a blue blood versus the new blood. And uh, this time the Hoosiers come to Tallahassee where there will be at least some fans in the stands. Uh, so what, what do we, what should we know about Indiana who, who beat Florida state uh, last year? Yeah, they came out and, and uh uh, they played a meaningless first game. Then their second game, they played Providence, and they looked like a Final Four team. And they they just destroyed Providence. It was not even close to a game. And then the very next day, they come out against Texas, and they themselves just get destroyed. So it's it's kind of a hard team to to figure out at this point. Um, but they have played uh, three games against good teams, and then a fourth game against a nobody. 
so there's there's been plenty of opportunity to see them play. Uh, the 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 big thing with Indiana is that they can't shoot, and their their best shooter um, Al Durham um, hurt his ankle, and it looked pretty bad against Texas. And so I I don't know that he'll be back um, for Florida State. I I certainly won't be surprised if he you know if he if he does play. Um, but, but even if he does, maybe a little hobbled or rusty. Yeah, I would, I would think so. It was, it was a pretty gnarly um, injury. And then they've also, their center has been out, Joey Brunk. Um, he's, he's had back problems, hasn't, hasn't played at all, I don't think. Um, and he, uh, you know, he's day-to-day. He, he could, could be back for Florida State, but another guy that would be rusty. Um, the, the, the big issue that we can talk about um, would be Tracy Jackson Davis. So, you know, Dale Davis, the great Clemson player, his son plays for Indiana, and he is just a uh, monster of a. He's an NBA of, player. Yeah, right? he 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 could have he could have come out last year and got drafted. Yeah. Um, he will probably come out this year and get drafted, but he is he is like player of the year type um, candidate for the for the whole nation. Yeah, it'll it'll be. I, I think Scotty Barnes would be drafted higher. Um, and look, we're, we're two, one game into the season. I think Scotty would be drafted higher if for nothing else, because of his positional size and just the kind of versatile potential that he brings to the table at, at 19 years old. But it's one of the games of the year where you're playing someone who, who does put someone on the court that is, you know, could be drafted in the same range as, as Scotty Barnes. Um, so I, I think that in and of itself speaks volumes. Is it one of those games where we've, we've seen Hamilton do this over the, he doesn't do it all the time, but we've seen him do this on occasion over the years, memorably with Dennis Smith. Um, do you think it's a game where we, we just bracket trace Tracy Jackson Davis uh, and, and just let say, look, someone else is going to beat us. We're going to get the, we're going to, we're going to foul. We're going to be physical with him. We're going to get the ball out of his hands. Um, or do you go the other way and just let him get his and make sure no one else, um, no one else does anything. Yeah. I think, I think we'll start the game kind of in our base defense. I think we'll be switching everything and Indiana knows that. And they'll be trying to uh, uh, slip a lot of screens with Davis, you know, to get him the ball going to the rim and, and also to just switch him onto players that he can, that he, he can beat and but I would not be surprised at all if we go to some kind of junky defense after you know as the game plays on um, if we can't guard him out of our base defense then we're not going to win the game um, and so I certainly hope that Ham has something in store uh, in, in case uh, Davis kind of starts to dominate especially if Al Durham is not playing because he you know he's their main three-point threat he's their right. best dry, driver um, you know without him they're playing more uh, Christian Lander who's a they're, you know, like Scotty, he's a five-star freshman point guard, um, but he's six-two compared to Scotty's six-nine. Neither of them can shoot, so I'm not all I'm not all that concerned about Lander, as in the same way that I am with Durham. Durham and Davis give them a real potent kind of one-two punch, and uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see. The focus of our defense will be on you know on how we're defending Davis, and and uh, you know that'll be fun to watch, especially early in the season. Who would you, uh, let's say in the base defense, and, and I know we're going to switch everything, so the, the question may be a, a little superfluous, but, I mean, who would you kind of want defending him if you could? Like, what, ty- what type of player might see some success defending uh, Tracy? Well, I, th- I think we want to 
we want to play a pretty big team, you know, so we want to have like Balsha, Scotty, Raekwon Gray, and Malik Osborne, you know, maybe all on the floor. We'll see them playing all four together with MJ. Um, Anthony Polite is is a great defender, but he's just, he's going to get bullied by by Jackson Davis. Same thing with MJ Walker. And so, you know, you, you really have to have um, the ability. He's like 6'9", right? 6'9", 240? Yeah, yeah 6'9", 250, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he And you, you have to have the ability to guard him when he's coming off the perimeter. So it's usually, you know, you're, you're picking him up when he's coming off the screen, when, when he's the screener, you know, and he's slipping. So we, we've, we've got to have guys that are quick enough to hang with them. Otherwise they're just going to be, uh, you know, scoring on those slip screens all night. And so probably Scotty or uh, Raekwon Gray would be, you know, our best defenders because they have the best feet. Yeah. I, I do wonder if this is the game, you know, we talked earlier in the pod about, well, Scotty isn't a shooter. I, I, let's just call it what it is. He's, he's not on the floor to shoot threes, but he does everything else. Well, is this, is this where the versatility of having a six, nine, 225 pound point guard who, you know, just because your point guard on offense doesn't mean you can't switch and drop down and defend the other team's power forward on defense. Is this, is this really where you see that plan of Leonard Hamilton come to fruition where it's like we, okay. So trace has to go from being guarded by Raekwon gray to then a switch to being guarded by Scotty Barnes. He, he, he can't bully those guys. Like you said, the way he could, if he got switched on to polite. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you've got your point guard and you're like, okay, it's your second game in ever in college basketball. Now go guard the best center in, in college basketball. Like right. not, not many teams have that option. And, 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 uh, you know, Florida state is one of the few teams that, that do. And so Scotty Barnes could go from guarding, you know, the best center in basketball or one of the best to guarding Rob Finnessy, who's a, you know, six, one point guard. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interest. I I mean, win or lose, I'm just intriguing to see some of these matchups. And if Al Durham does play, I, I almost think that's where you. I don't want to call it a junk defense. It's just a strategy play, junk or not. That's where maybe you see like, okay, we're gonna fit, you know you tell polite to go face guard Durham. Like he's the guy that probably can just stay with him out on the perimeter, and he's you know six five long. You just go face guard him. And let the rest of us deal with switching on on a trade because then you can switch Scotty, uh, Malik Osborne, Raekwon Gray, and and whomever you need to. Yeah, and and then the other point is that they're they're you know they're a pretty small team. So even if we are are, are playing you know relatively small, like Florida State is the is is the bigger. Uh, team we have a lot of space well, we're here, the biggest so. team in the country so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so if you're if you're asking um if, if you're asking polite to sort of face guard out there then you know we still have the size and 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 uh athleticism to sort of shrink uh you know shrink things down for indiana especially you know due to the fact that they, they can't really shoot that well or at least they haven't yet um yeah so, so yeah no and and i think i think offensively I'd sure love to see um, maybe maybe Scotty early and maybe MJ early go right into the chest and see because I think if you get two fouls on on uh, TJD, that's that's a difference maker, right? Now now you're now you're removing the best center in college basketball from a team that already can't shoot, 
or if they can't, they might be able to shoot in spurts because, you know, you, you flip a coin twice and it might land on heads twice in a row. But I, I think that becomes a difference maker. And, and now you can start to throw waves of depth uh, at guys. And, and maybe you can get someone like Calhoun on the court because you're not quite as worried about a defensive lapse. And all of a sudden you can see a, a game go from 18 to 15 to 29 to 16 in a hurry. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that is – the best center in college basketball isn't just going to come out and pick up two silly fouls, most likely. So I, I think that would have to be something that a senior like an MJ Walker can, you know, gives a concerted effort to maybe make a cut and and go right into the chest. Yeah, and they're 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 not a very deep team, especially with Brunk out with injury. So if he's not playing, they're they're basically playing eight guys. In their in their first game of the season, I think they had maybe six players in double digit minutes. That's Archie Miller is not developing his his depth, and so if you can take even if you don't take out Davis, if you take out any other players, you know you're you're forcing them to play guys that maybe aren't that comfortable. And if if we can't can get them in foul trouble, that'd be great. Um, Indiana, on the other hand, it gets the line a ton primarily because of Tracy Jackson Davis. Um, but they 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 draw a lot of fouls, so this is going to be one of those games where it kind of depends on how it's being whistled. You know, if they're if they're calling everything, um, then I would say that uh, it's much more likely that we get them in foul trouble. But it's also much more likely that Indiana wins. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a tricky proposition. Like how do you how do you how do you target guys for fouls without without getting out of your um, out of what you, know, you do your, your normal rhythms? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, uh, they played Texas and I think what Kai Jones and Greg Brown both fouled out, actually the two, the two bigs for Texas, uh, Jackson Davis just bullied them. Kai Jones is a rather slender, I mean, he's, he's tall, but you know, more of a modern day, uh, stretch forward. And then Greg Jones or Greg Brown is a freshman and he kind of bullied both of them and, and they both fouled out and Texas still won by 20. So, you know, um, I don't know, to your point about depth, and, and like you said, Al Durham didn't play in that game. So um, it'll, it'll be an interesting watch for sure. And, and I think it, it'll, it's one of those games that you like to play early in the season because it's a really good chance to find out where your team's at. And, and then you get to go in and play, play UF, play Georgia Tech, and kind of set yourself up to potentially see a lot of improvement in a short period of time as you get a chance to really uh, look at some film, go through some reps, and, and play some – some varied styles of, of teams. Um, all right. Well, do you have a prediction, Michael? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pretty optimistic on this one, even though we've, we've only played one game. I, I think that if Al Durham is out, then, um, you know, Florida State is, is going to win um, handily. But I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a close win in any, any case, um, you know, something along the lines of like 74 to 70. Okay. Okay. I will, I'll take the optimistic route as well. I think you're right. We've only played one game, but um, you know, we have a lot of guys back from last year's team. It's not like, I mean, we talked about Calhoun. We talked about Barnes. It's not like we have a lot of other freshmen and sophomores that are making a a big impact. So um, I I think that guys like MJ Walker, Raekwon Gray, I think will be huge in this game. Uh, No pun intended. Um, especially since he, he looks to have slimmed down quite a bit. So kudos to him, but I think he's going to be great to have as a, as a versatile defender against TJD. And then also uh, someone who can probably be a mismatch on the other end, because Indiana is going to be forced with the, you know, making the decision does chase guard 
um, someone like Gray or does he guard someone like Bolsha? Uh, so I think that Gray could end up having a pretty, pretty nice night. And I expect Florida State to really pound the offensive glass. I know that uh, Jackson Davis is a good rebounder, but everywhere else, Florida State should have the positional size advantage. And, and I, I don't know if we're going to shoot well. It's only game two, but I do think that for the second consecutive game, we will really hammer the offensive glass and we'll get enough second chance opportunities to get a, uh, I'll call it a, I'll call it a seven point win. How about um, 77 to 70? Um, so real quick before we go, uh, a little it's, high school basketball has also started. I don't know if it started for all across the country, but there have been that have, uh, some that have been playing. And, and I saw that uh, Matthew Cleveland, our five-star uh, wing recruit uh, that has already signed with Florida State in the early signing period, he was putting up some pretty big numbers early on. Yeah, he had a, he had a couple of, of uh, his last two games. He he's averaged like thirty three points and twelve rebounds or something. Um, I, I don't know about the the the, the caliber of of uh, um, teams that he's been playing, but if you know if you're a five star player in high school, you want to see that person dominating. That's right. Um, you, you know, and and especially if they're playing lesser competition, there should there shouldn't be anybody out there who can stop them. So. Uh, you know, Matthew Cleveland is, he's, he's, he, you know, he and he and Worley are both coming in to that, be that, you know, big guard where you talk about big guard you and it, it's going to be super fun to watch them play. And I, th I think that we've talked about uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, potentially moving up in the, in the rankings as the, as the year goes on. And if, if he keeps, you know, scoring 35 points a night or whatever, then yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And, and the, re the reality is most high school teams don't have a col a, like a, a high major college basketball player on them or, or even a college basketball player on them. So um, yeah, I think that some on most nights, Matthew Cleveland is going to be the best player on the court. And to your point, when you're the best player on the court, you'd like to see that person put up 35 points and 15 rebounds. <laughs> and so um, I, I don't know that there's, I don't know that we should take anything from it other than he's doing what a five-star should be doing, which is, which is great. Um, so definitely excited to get Matthew Cleveland on the court. You know, I talked about if Calhoun comes back for a second year, you start thinking about um, six, 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 seven Cleveland who can score at multiple levels and, and pass and dribble and dunk and, you talk about uh, Sadar Calhoun, who's six 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 seven, can score at multiple levels and dunk and be athletic. Uh, Worley is six four six five. You'd still have people like uh, Polite and and Raekwon Gray on the team and, and Malik Osborne. So um, certainly would be a, a a long and athletic and explosive team uh, to look forward to. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for, for the first pod of the 2020-21 season. And hopefully we have many more to go. Hopefully uh, we, we, we are potting all the way into April. Um, so for, for Michael, I'm Matt, and we will uh, come back to you after the Indiana game.